This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. This episode of Witching Hour is brought to you by Elan House of Wellness, the ultimate destination for postpartum care, supporting mothers with food, education, self-care tools and gifts. Hello and welcome to Witching Hour, the podcast that looks at what's exciting, delighting, intriguing and frustrating us when it comes to making work, work. I'm Lucinda. And I was. Good news story for today. Always kicking things off in a positive light. The two highest IQ scores in recorded history belong to women. Did you know that, Lou? Absolutely did not know that. Does it surprise you though? Absolutely does not surprise me. I'm sorry. Look at me. I was actually looking off on the side to turn my phone on. Do not disturb. Love this. I'm I'm here. I'm ready. Okay, good. So the majority of the population has an IQ between 85 and 115. Anything above 130 is considered exceptional. And 160 and above and you're... You classify this as a genius, right? So the person with the highest recorded IQ of all time is a woman named Marilyn Voss-Savant with an astonishing score of 228. Is there a high, is it like the limit does not exist vibes? <laughs> well, no, as in that, I think in terms of work recorded, that is the highest recorded. Silly and question, let's move on. I'm obviously not hitting 228, <laughs> am I? <laughs> Today, goodbye cover letters and CVs, hello TikTok resumes. Does anyone feel like an actual adult? I sure as hell do not. And your thoughts around the four-day school week trial? I'm pretty surprised on these. Quite Let's different get to into it, Lou. Let's get into it. Goodbye cover letters and CVs, hello TikTok resumes. It looks like the traditional written CVs could be a thing of the past as video sharing platform TikTok rises as a new player in the job recruitment process. This week, the Australian Financial Review reported the Hilton Hotel Australasia is hiring legally blonde style. Hilarious. (laughs) Instead of asking for resumes, the company has asked all applicants to post a 30 to 60 second TikTok video using the hashtag HireMeHilton and tagging at HireMeHiltonAU. Hiring on social media platforms is certainly nothing new. So LinkedIn was officially launched in 2003 and I would I would say today it's the biggest job hiring. Has that been 20 years, platform. LinkedIn? Oh my gosh, has that been 20? 20 years of LinkedIn. We should throw a party. Whoa. <laughs> I need a minute to process that. In fact, every second on LinkedIn, 101 job applications are submitted and every minute, eight people are hired. Wow. So it's a pretty powerful platform. In recent years, our tendency to consume media via video content has infiltrated other aspects of life, including employment. So I don't know about you, but for me, when I'm looking at new organizations, I usually go on their website. And to be honest, the first thing that I look at is like videos of people that have worked there. I mean, do obviously. You? Yeah. As in, obviously, you're not going to put someone that hates, imagine that, they put someone that hates working there on your website, like yeah. this place is shit, Reebon. Yeah. But even like Tourism Australia has had amazing campaigns through websites. I remember that, like the best job in the world. Yeah. It's video. That was like good. it's really inspiring. A poll from Office Team found that 63% of HR managers use or have recently used video interviews in the employment process. So most people are now screening people through Zoom as opposed to like 
I wouldn't say wasting time, but using additional time of like managers, CEOs, executives, whoever. It makes a lot of sense because the hiring process is so arduous as is. If you can have that first interview online, see if you vibe off each other, then get them in person. Yeah. And another study also found that candidates that submitted a video along with their CV had a 40% greater chance of being selected for a follow-up interview. I found that strange. I'd love to know what industries that is related to. I kind of thought these days that providing a video or a picture of yourself was faux pas. Like I hadn't even, I hadn't even considered it. Oh, either. That makes me uncomfortable. So for jobs in customer service, like the Hilton Hotel, it's important for recruiters to see personality traits of the candidate. Like if you're from It makes a lot of sense in that environment. And I mean, we've all done it. Like, don't you dare say you haven't either. Because I feel like you'll be like, but I haven't. Um, we've all done it. We've, we've filmed a little bit on our resume. Like we've, we've Lauren, put a line I in am there not that capable like, of lying on my resume. You know this about me. Sometimes you you're over lies to my resume and I had to delete them again. No, it wasn't I was so lies, nervous. Lauren. Oh my yes. gosh. This is the thing that women do on so many occasions. It just I know. I'm not so proud of silly. it. It's the fact that if you were involved in a team project and your role was pivotal to that project, but it wasn't necessarily in your PD or something, so many women don't put it in and they're like, oh, no, but I don't really have project management. I'm like, but were you involved in that project? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, then put it in. Oh, but I wasn't responsible for it. Like, what? And like what how we have to have ticked at least, what is it that we oh, women? Oh, yeah, there's that start. We have to have ticked 10 out of 10, I think, criteria to apply for a job, whereas guys will apply if they think they tick 6 out of 10. Something like that. that. But the but key thing is it does is come like, back to what you're saying. Yeah, the key thing is a lot of people can fib on paper, but it's very difficult to fib, to fib on video. when you're videoing yourself. That's so true. Especially yeah, if you're putting it on social media, your friend's like, liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also it's if there's innately something that you can't do and you're telling a bit of a lie about it, yeah, yeah. like facially, You'd, you'd feel awkward saying it. You'd be like, oh, God, I don't want to do this. <laughs> on that, I once had a manager who was hiring for a technical role and this person came in to go through the role. She's like, he's great. Rah, rah, rah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, cool. And then she's like, oh, I'm just going to do like a, you know, ad hoc thing. Can you code this? Really basic. And he literally, on like the third time, got up and walked out. So he was lying about a technical skill. I'm like, oh, can you imagine? I can thing. I can just picture the sweat that was starting to build under his shirt when he realised I'm about to be found out. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to talk about the benefits, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, out of the potential risks of something like this Hilton campaign. From my perspective, I think there are some great benefits of having a video particularly for customer-facing roles. I think it's great. I also think it's leveraging the type of personality and probably generation that you're looking for. Like, the, I mean, most older generations aren't going to be on TikTok. So if you're looking for someone that's younger, that's starting out, perhaps that is where your target audience is. I would say though, by doing that, if, if more and more people adopted this type of trendy way to recruit, you are cutting out a massive portion of people that would otherwise apply. Yeah, I'm wondering what part of the objective here is like virality. Like are they trying to, first of all, just promote Hilton in a new way? But I wonder as well how many people they're getting apply for the job that otherwise wouldn't have because they're seeing it on TikTok. I think for this sort of role, it's a really smart idea. You wouldn't get someone like me applying. There's no way I'd create a 30 to 60 second TikTok saying, this is why you should hire me. But I'd be really interested to see how it has influenced the 
sort of people that are applying? What age bracket, as you say? Are they more females or males? What sort of cultural backgrounds are we seeing? I'm very intrigued by it and I think it's very smart. I can't really see any risks except for what you're saying, that you're leaving out potentially like, is it a bit ageist? It potentially is. I think so. So I did a bit of digging into this, as I always do, and what I found was fascinating. It's important to note that unconscious bias still occurs with written CVs as well. There's more noticeable ways of bias in a video. So you can be more discriminatory on the way that people look. True. But, Actually, I wasn't even thinking about appearance. I did yeah. not, that did not cross my mind. But in traditional CVs, research from Monash University actually found that candidates with Habib, Hual, Papadoulos or Singh are 60% less likely to get a follow-up interview as opposed to names like Smith or Williams. Yes. And like Does John that not blow is your mind? I remember reading something about this. It's terrible, but unfortunately not surprising, which is sad. And it's something like John is the most horrible name you can have. Oh, my God. Doesn't that just really? kiss you right off? As you're saying, these names with a cultural background can affect people in a negative ways. I'm sure male white names do the opposite on yeah. a CV. When you break it down, sadly, bias is ingrained at the moment throughout that process regardless, whether it's a written CV or whether it's by a video. I mean, I guess we'll just have to see which one's more beneficial for companies. I really didn't think, which is so naive of me now, I didn't really think about the bias of looks of age until you mentioned it. There's a lot wrong potentially with hiring via video. I'm really intrigued to see what shape this takes. I hate to say it too, but I wonder, would I be a bit like, you're a narcissist if I didn't ask for a video and they sent a video? I'm not saying that's right. Like that's a terrible thing but if I really think about it there's a potential that I would judge them in that way too it well, would depend you how much of you found going on fair enough yeah 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 hi guys so I've applied for this job because like that'd be a bit different but it'd be really interesting I guess if they were a likable character you'd like it maybe if they weren't really a vibe maybe you judge them straight away in a way that wasn't fair well, look, this seems to be the trend that I think is going to increase over time as opposed to decrease, particularly with Gen Z. If you want to capture people, go to where they are. And that's exactly yeah. where they are. Does anyone feel like an actual adult? This is a question that I have asked myself a lot of times. And Catherine Jezza Morton wrote about this recently for The Cut. I don't know about you, but I have those moments when I look down at Ray and I'm like, it's hilarious that I am the decision-making adult in your life because I still feel You're like a authority. child myself. I'm the authority. It's terrifying. And Hayden's five years older than me. He's technically more of an adult than me. Wild. I don't <laughs> know when wild. you crossed the threshold. I think becoming a parent and realizing that I still don't feel like an adult has made me realize that perhaps you just never really feel like an adult. So she says, as an adult, I've found myself often... I'm laughing at myself thinking about the Bibby Lynch piece as a mother. This is like another, uh, like, I wonder if teenagers are like, stop adult. saying adult, as an adult. As an adult, I found myself often feeling out of place around my fellow parents because parenthood, as it turns out, is a social environment where people usually want to model conventional behavior. In the privacy of my own home, I've got plenty of competence. But once I'm around other parents, in particular ones who have a take charge attitude, I often feel as inept as a wayward teen. This is so true. You know, when you're around your friends that have just always seemed like mums and you're like, I'm the child in this group when I'm around specific friends. 
It depends yeah. who you're with. The places I most reliably feel this way include my kids' sporting events. The other parents all seem to know each other and they have such good setups. I've got a great story on this. I okay. used to play rap netball and my parents were always really supportive and great and would always be there, but they weren't like the sports parents that were like on the sidelines yelling like, get another go, Lucy. They were oh, just sort of happy. That. Yeah, they were, they were the perfect blend of supportive but not too supportive. Anyway, they it was like Sunday tournaments. They happened once a month. You'd set up for the day. One of the mums would have sliced oranges. Yeah. Someone else would yeah, have nice lollies, all of that. My parents were feeling really proud of themselves because they went to Bunnings and got themselves some camp chairs. They pulled them out the side of the <laughs> oh, court. I'm embarrassed and for they you. Were, and they were baby camp chairs. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. And they felt so good about themselves because they were like, we're sports parents now. Anyway, they failed. That's a little side story for you. I think my mum and dad will resonate with them. I'm like, like gosh, these are cheap. Five bucks. What a bug. <laughs> Dad's like, get in there. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my God, you're so embarrassing. Nah, I don't even remember being embarrassed. I thought it was funny. And so she says they have such good sideline setups, whereas I am always sitting cross-legged on the ground, absentmindedly offering my children water out of an old soda stream bottle and toting their gear in a filthy, too small canvas tote. Parent-teacher meetings is another one she mentions and picking up her kids from their friends' suburban houses with finished basements. I've always assumed this was a problem unique to people who came from unconventional families who never learned the finer points of blending in. But I'm beginning to wonder if everyone feels this way and that the straight world, or adulthood as we call it nowadays, is in fact a total mirage. If we're all cosplaying adulthood, who and where are the real adults? I come from a very conventional family. Mum and dad married, had kids, never yep. divorced. Very conventional. And I can tell this writer that she's right, that it's not just because she came from an unconventional family. I think we're all cosplaying adulthood. I recently sent out a survey asking parents to describe the situations that make them feel the most competent and the most like wayward teens. The responses were moving. According to my not scientific but still fun research, we all feel like chance when the first cold day arrives and we're prepared with coats, boots and matching mitts that fit our kids. Or even better, bought on sale at the end of the previous season, wrote one parent, that is a moment when you feel good. You're like, I got this on sale. We are ready to go next season. Many responses echoed the parent who wrote, when my four and a half year old is having a meltdown, Calming him is my special skill and I always feel competent, if not angelic, when I get him through it. It's so funny, actually. Oh, this is so true. Whenever I meet Ray with a lot of kindness when he's being really grumpy, I'm like, oh, I am such I'm a, a good calm, person. <laughs> an amazing parent right now. You know, when you have those moments, you're like, wow, I didn't fly off the handle. I am an adult. So yep. I could not agree more with that. Being emotionally reliable for our kids is huge, especially for parents who didn't get that kind of attention from their parents. A third source of widespread adult feeling is planning and executing dinner. Oh, this is me. Meal planning, even though several parents admitted they hate doing it, is rewarding. Making meals that kids are happy to eat ranks high, as does packing a child-approved school lunch. One parent feels great when I pack wicked snacks that my daughter gasps at. <laughs> That's really sweet. What I notice about all three of these trends, which don't represent everyone's responses, but do encompass an easy majority, is that they all take place in the privacy of our own homes. On our own home turf, we are invincible, but it tends to fall apart once we're out in the world being perceived. Turns out the park is hell. Oh, I completely I agree. 
love this article and it's just made me so aware of the micro moments in a day where you're like, I'm a kid, I'm an adult, I'm a kid, I'm an adult. Loz, give me your most childish moment as a parent and then give me the moment where you feel like you've nailed it and that you deserve to be the age you are. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, my most childish was probably when Sienna was having a meltdown recently at the park, actually, or when I wanted to leave the park. She didn't. It had been like two hours. I was like, oh, you were just done here. here. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah I was like, after all. We had done here. And then she's like, I don't want to go. And like was screaming and I... <laughs> That two hours, so that's a good effort. Like that's quite adult in itself. I was with a girlfriend and then she'd seen two people that she knew that I didn't. So, you know, when you try to be like, come on, Sienna, it's time to go. And then after the fifth time, she was like, no, I don't want to go. And then I turned around and I go, yeah, like I screamed, like this banshee. Like I went yeah, back at her and then she looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, get in the pram. When I was walking home, not only was I embarrassed, but I'm like, far out who's the boss i'm like i'm the boss i'm like fuck come on pull yourself together <laughs> are so you giving annoying. yourself that pep talk you're looking yeah, in the mirror you're like who's the boss i'm the boss. honestly oh and then i reckon a real adult moment for me the other day this is actually so petty and pathetic but it's really front of mind i'd gone to the zoo with both kids i'd, I'd met a friend there and her son it was a big day like we'd been there for quite some time and it gets that lunchtime bit and sienna doesn't nap anymore God for mentioning it, but by a lot of kids She hasn't worked for ages, has she, too? Like she hasn't. You, you had to drop that a long time ago. <laughs> I had to drop it. Mate, well, she, you, she you dropped had to it be herself. okay with her dropping it. It was horrific. <laughs> R.I.P. All mums that have to go through that. It's horrid. One of her friends was losing his mind, and I'd given him a little lolly, and I felt really good about it. But then when I got back to the car, the lady that was parked next to me, who I didn't know, like Sienna was fine, sat in the car, Zane was fine, and her daughter was like losing her mind like going ape shit and in the car i had this little lolly stash right that's always. so adult always and so i said to her the kids i mean both let's be honest every week <laughs> i'm like jeez it's running low and i'm like far out sienna must have eaten a lot of these who ate like, my pie <laughs> and like it's me so i turned around to this lady and i said are you okay do you need a snack and she's do you have anything she's like stupidly i packed a lunchbox all I've got left is cucumber. I'm like, oh. I ain't no kid eating cucumber. I was Especially like, well, in that I've state. Got, yeah, so I said, I've got L-O-L-L-I-E-S. And she's like, please. And honestly, in that moment, normally the parents, I felt like a god. Like I was like, like my come to Jesus moment as I gave it a lolly. You, had, you had light literally yeah, shining out of your head. I was head. radiating. You were radiating. And it's so funny because that moment really stuck out in my mind because of all the mum shaming around sugar and lollies and her like bribery like foxy kids up for life and in that one moment i thought mate sometimes all you need is a small gummy bear and the whole world can be repaired and i was the giver of that gummy bear you are an angel in my eyes you've brought something to mind that isn't on the topic of where we feel like adults and where we don't but it is about sugar and kids I've got a great story attached to this and then I'm going to get to the sugar part of the story. Yes. So Ray and I had immunizations together last week. I had my whooping cough. So annoying that you need to get that every pregnancy. Every pregnancy. He had his 18-month immunizations. First of all, they jabbed him. They hate it. It's awful in the moment that you do it, you move on, whatever. But then he saw that they were about to jab me and he lost it. He was trying to push them away from me and he was crying going, no, because he didn't want them to hurt me. It was very sweet. Why are you reacting to how sweet that was? Exactly <laughs> because, number one, I hate injections. 
so you're, much. You're, so, you're like going pale yeah, like, on the screen. All I could think of when you were saying that was fuck. Being if injected. I, yeah, if I was with Sienna and I was like, it's okay, babe, you can do it, you're going to be all right. And then they yeah. go, okay, you're next. I'd be like, whoa, whoa, no. Don't you dance on street? We are leaving. I'm getting out of here. So I that's the like, first nah. part. Okay, well, hopefully someone who's less scared it's of needles. very sweet, though. That's very sweet of Ray for protecting me. But secondly, I then had a moment of feeling like a bit of a child. Actually, totally relates back to what we're talking about. I felt like a bit of a child because I didn't bring anything to comfort Ray or to give him a snack afterwards. And I was like to the nurses, do you have any lollies for him just to sort of calm him down? And they said that they're so scared to ask because of the response that they get from mums and dads who come in. And which is like, absolutely not. My kid's not having sugar. Uh, He just got jabbed four times in his legs. The kid can have. He some needs sugar. a jelly bean. So I yeah. agree with you that lollies are not always evil. Well, when have you behaved like a child? Dear poor Hayden, this morning <laughs> he had taken Rain's backpack, his daycare backpack, out of the car yesterday and hung it up at the front door. It couldn't have been more clear. I shouldn't have cracked it though. I did. I'm in the car on the way to daycare, going past one of his work sites. So I was like, I'll pick up the backpack that I saw in his car yesterday afternoon. Him being the good father that he is and the organised houseman that he is, took that backpack out, hung it up. I assumed it was still in his car. So instead of me checking with him to see where the backpack was, I'm on the way to daycare. I'm like, hey, I'm just checking which site you're at because I need to pick up the backpack. He's like, oh, no, I hung it up at the front door. And for some reason, I got all grumpy with him, which is so unfair. So maybe we'll call that a childish moment. Another moment where I feel like less of a parent than the people around me is whenever my friends have food ready to go and I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I forgot that after not breastfeeding for like six months that my child needs snacks at all times. Yeah, it's insane. So that's definitely my pitfall. And they're like, oh, no, we can give him this yogurt. And I'm just sitting there like, you're like, it's thanks okay. for the $5 squeezy pouch. I'll really up, repay the favor. I know, I'm terrible I've gotten better, but in the early days, I would always feel like you're more of a mum than me because I just cannot remember the snacks. When I do feel like an adult, I hate to say it, it's when the house is organised, when the food yep. shop's done. It's when Hades and I have really, we've worked together as a team and everything feels good, which does, again, as they're saying here, happen in the home. As soon as I leave the home, I realise, what organisation other mums take or other parents take to get out and it's always a little bit more than me. Yeah, but it's that pressure of trying to be on the same level as someone else. Yeah, and it's the comparison. It's stupid. It is. And you know what? Someone said to me recently, gentle parenting is for gentle children. Yes. And it really struck a chord with me because on so many levels, I have said to Sienna, come on, Sienna, like get down to the level. It's time to go now. Would you like me to walk with you or would you like to sit in the pram? She's like, no, nah, I'm not going. She's like, I actually want you to get out of my face. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, maybe she's just not a candidate for gentle parenting. Yeah. Yes. And And that's actually another moment where I feel less like an adult, especially around I reckon my parents, not that they even say anything. If Ray cracks it and then I crack it back and then you're like, everyone just saw that, didn't they? (laughs) You're like, I need to work on my adulthood because I shouldn't be cracking it at an 18-month-old who doesn't really know how to communicate with me. Christmas can be a really stressful time and it can be hard to find a moment for yourself. We know how much of the load is placed on mothers and Elon House of Wellness wants mothers to prioritise themselves through nourishing food and self-care. With their incredibly thoughtful offering of dry mixes like the dark chocolate banana bread, 
Traditional Chinese medicine mixes, I can't wait to try the Restore Herbal Soup in my upcoming postpartum, and gifts including affirmation cards, body oils, mists and creams. Elan House of Wellness is changing the way we think about postpartum care and looking after mothers. Loz, you've had two postpartum experiences now. Any tips? I personally cannot stress the importance of self-care enough. I know I overlooked it the first time around because I was so focused on the birth, but the thing I actually appreciated the most was when people brought around nutritious food or body products specifically for me, which is actually how I came to know of Elan House of Wellness. A girlfriend made me their banana bread and it is amazing. I use their body oil and it really feels like a mini retreat in a bottle. What I love most about Elan House of Wellness is their contemporary interpretation of ancient Chinese traditions, which believes that when you support the well-being of the mother, you in turn support the entire family. Do yourself a favour and prioritise your own self-care by shopping their range of family and pregnancy-friendly products. Listeners of Witching Hour will receive 10% off using code postpartumready at elan.house. This offer has no expiration date but excludes 28-day postpartum packages and gift certificates. All right, Loz, for community this week, we went out to the Ready or Not community on Instagram to get their responses to this four-day school week trial that's happening in Queensland that we discussed in the previous hour episode. I'm going to be a bit controversial at the top here and say I was really surprised with the poll results, but also... I'm really surprised with the way people feel about things. Obviously, we always apply our own context to when we're considering what something means for us. But I'll never forget a good male friend of mine, his dad said to him, it was to do with voting, it was around voting. I think it was maybe the first election we could vote in, we're about 18. And his dad said to him, you're a privileged person, you've grown up in a middle-class society or a middle-class community You have good opportunities your way. You've always lived in a great house and received great education. You do not vote for you. You vote for the people that don't have it as good as you. So that's always been my mentality. Most of the people that were all for it had very flexible work arrangements or very flexible lives, and it suited them well. Where's the consideration for the other people whose lives don't run that smoothly? I mean, usually when you're thinking of something, you're putting your own needs first. And maybe I, I guess I'm just I a selfless angel. <laughs> maybe you are. But I just can't grasp the concept too. I think people put it to their current situation and a lot of our listeners would most likely have younger children. But when I think, when I'm like future planning my life and I think about Sienna being home one day a week while I'm working full-time as a teenager, how do you monitor that? How do you manage that? So I gave three options for how people felt about four-day school weeks. Absolutely not being option A, all for it being option B, and neutral slash intrigued to learn more being option C. What do you think was the most popular response? Uh, Maybe based on your little segue talk, maybe option C. Yeah, so neutral slash intrigued to learn more was 47%. Absolutely not was 28%. And all for it was 25%. I find that so strange. Yeah. So there's some really interesting benefits. As I said, I think in last episode, where you and I are at, we obviously want our our kids educated at daycare, but daycare until they're at school does feel more like caregiving versus education. If they learn things, great, but we're more 
thinking these are the days of care provided by someone else where I can work or whatever it is. So maybe our lens will change a bit more when it becomes more about education and less about just like where is my kid at this hour? But I actually had to put another question box up saying maybe I'm lacking a lot of context because my child is younger and we're not there yet. So what are some of the benefits? And here's what people said. If you have neurodivergent kids who need flexibility, this is a really important step. Someone else said better life balance. If we also worked four days, we could all have three day weekends and more fam time. This, you and I agree. We're all for it. So the place catches up. If if our partners or or we are working four days in this scenario, that's yeah, great. Don't implement it before that's a reality. Yes. Because how the much school more pressure can't be the placing? catalyst for the workplace. It exactly. has to be the other way around. It's too Agreed. hard, as we say, for those parents. And I must actually note here, no one has come at me for this, but I did talk about mum and dad a lot in this scenario, which excluded anyone that doesn't either identify as mum or dad or single parents. I didn't actually bring that up. So I just wanted to add that little note there. But exactly, until the workplace catches up, it's an absolute scramble for a lot of people who are just doing their best and are just literally trying to get through each week, trying to pay bills. I don't know how they go about this. And I know that there's talks of there's a flexible fifth day for people that do need care. Way to add guilt to a plate that is already piled up with guilt. I get it. You're offering that extra day of care. That parent that already feels oh, like feel terrible their if kid none enough, of the other kids are in there. Yeah. Bad. Someone else said if it meant that those four days were longer school days, I think it's a terrible idea because kids find it really hard. So that's an interesting one too. Someone else said, I'm a teacher. How does it work for me? Am I still at work that day? I love the idea of it, but would like to understand it more in practice. A lot of people echoed the same sentiment. The juggle is hard enough without certainty. Happy for schools to move to this when workplaces do too. And someone said with like 10 question marks, which I feel you, sis, who's looking after them on the day off? Yes. Because lo and behold, the way that schools are structured or the way that society is structured where kids get about 12 weeks off while we get about four weeks off at your standard workplace, this is another beautiful example of that we're just expecting the mother or primary caregiver to pick up the extra load. They're like, oh, well, you'll figure it out. And I do laugh when I listened back to our episode that went live this morning. I did laugh sort of being like, but who's looking after the kids as though like I'm not the parent that chose to have this kid. But life is so bloody expensive. I'm already not earning enough. I need to earn more money. How are we doing this if we don't have structures in place? Don't look at me because I run a tight ship and I feel like I just couldn't do that. And I feel like if I'm someone that's really organized and type A and planned and all that kind of stuff, and I find it overwhelming thinking about how that would work, then people that are less organized or more or have fluent, more on their plate, I guess. Yeah, than and me, also just have, wouldn't stand a chance. have more work. Someone else said, I would move states. In most families, this will make it more difficult for mothers who work, which is so true. Another trial that supposes mum can afford to be home to pick up the slap. Seems problematic unless workplaces have a four-day work week as well, which would be great. So I think the sentiment is really clear. If we're all moving to a four-day work week society, by all means, go for it. Otherwise, I would love to see exactly how this is going to play out. But I am surprised at how many people were open to it. Laws, you gospel. Give me something (laughs) inspiring. My one is pretty basic this week. If you haven't already set up a shared calendar and don't feel bad about asking your husband to find a babysitter if there's a clash and you got in first. Love that. 
Yeah. I also find it's a really good talking point. I know this sounds so enough, like talk about your shared calendar, but sometimes around I sit down, I'm like, okay, this is what the week ahead is looking like. I'm out this night. You're out that night. I'm out this night. Rah, rah, rah. Half the time, to be honest, like I put stuff in and I feel like he's just not across what I'm putting in. So I just want to make it known, like I am not here Tuesday. Mm. You will need to sort out this, that, and the other. Or like, for example, with Christmas just around the corner, I've got girls' dinners on, there's Christmas functions, he's got a bunch of work stuff, and I'm like, sorry, pal. On that day I got in first, you're yeah, going to have to organize the babysitter. So I'm so sick of doing it. It's annoying. Sorry, I'm like, not. Nah, I'm flopped out in that time first. You'll have to, if you've got something on a competing priority the same night, you'll have to organize care. I always do that with Hades too. If it falls on a day where, like a Tuesday and a Friday, where Ray is with me, it's on me to organize anything that I need. Otherwise, I'm like, this is a shared thing. Yeah. It's not always on me to bloody find a babysitter. So I could yeah. not agree more. I love that tip. My tip is more, this is half in solidarity, half a tip. So if anyone out there is like me, and if you're pregnant, you might not know that you're going to be like this, but you might still be. The first six months to a year of your child's life, you can be more clingy to them, more attached to them than you think you're going to be. And you can find it hard to give that child away to a grandparent, for example, to spend a night because you're either breastfeeding and you can't be bothered pumping or you feel too guilty. There's so many reasons, unfortunately, that we don't lean on other people to give us a break. Well, your kid's probably not sleeping through. So you're like... That, that's the huge one, actually. It's the guilt of yeah. being like, no, nah, I can't leave. I can't leave a baby that doesn't sleep through with someone else. That's actually a really yeah. point. And this is just a reminder to not feel guilty about that. Use the help around you. Or if you're not quite ready, that's okay. Sometimes it's surprising how long it takes you. Know that in your future, you will start to loosen those straps. And if you're having another child like me, I think it's so important to start to loosen those straps as much as you're comfortable to before that second baby comes so that that village is there and the support is there. So if you're thinking about expanding your family, start to take baby steps to rely on your village and it's easier said than done, but stop feeling guilty because they normally, or at least very luckily in our case, love to help. And half the time when they don't sleep for you, weirdly, they sleep for other bloody people. That it's is remarkable. so true. Remember it's so uh, little Chloe, Michelle had to go into her room and she kept checking. She's she, awake. It was 10 a.m. She slept until 10 a.m. It's insane. So that's my tip. I know my tips are never quite as, they're never quite as tangible as yours, but. They are. Something I noticed on the weekend and I was like, gee, wasn't that helpful having them look after Ray on Saturday night? Was that's all she wrote today. That is all she wrote. As always, if you have enjoyed listening to today's podcast, please leave us a review and make sure you're following readyornot.pod. 